Welcome to the Westminster Pulpit, an extension of the worship ministry at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format, and may this sermon nurture your life in a meaningful way as we proclaim our Savior. I have the privilege tonight to wear three hats, and I'm going to wear two of them very quickly and one a little longer. First hat. For the next two minutes, I'm representing Equipping Leaders International, E-L-I. And we are deeply grateful for your partnering with us in the ministry that the Lord has entrusted to us. The Lord of the nations has entrusted this work and ministry to us as Equipping Leaders International. And we're so thankful for the 25% of the mission's offering for the conference that will go to that organization. I want to share with you just a couple of numbers and a little bit of a word picture. 2020, oh my, it, it had its effect upon everybody, every ministry, every person. And ELI was certainly no exception. However, let me share with you that in 2020, we did manage to lead or have 236 training sessions in 13 of the 25 countries that we are presently in. And we had the enormous privilege of serving 8,800 students. And these 8,800 students, in turn, we know that they've done kind of the research on this, they will reach over 1 million people. That's a great privilege. ELI has 36 faculty, and Stan and Donna Arms, who served with MTW in South Africa, and this church supported for a number of years, uh, are now serving with ELI. So Stan and Donna, along with Bonnie and me, and I, along with Bonnie and me, are faculty and wives for Equipping Leaders International. What ELI does is identify the leaders that the Lord has raised up in his church in countries that are underserved, to identify those, and then to teach and train and encourage them because they want to learn, and they know that they don't know, and they are so eager. These students are wonderful, and what a privilege and honor it is to teach them For they are the ones who say, teach me the word of God, that I might preach it, that I might teach it, that I might live it. Can you imagine a more precious gift? And so I realize and I want to share with you that this is selfish work. The so-called teacher is blessed. God has given me personally the honor of being in eight different African countries with ELI, some by presence and some by this past year, especially with Zoom presence. Let me tell you about these students very, very briefly. As you look at them, you realize this is a former Muslim cleric. These are the people that are plagued with recurring bouts of malaria and typhoid. These are the people that some of them and their loved ones, their family members, have already lost their lives because of commitment to Jesus. 
So you and I might read in newsprint something about the Fulani herdsmen militants or Boko Haram. Those are not just words in print. Those are realities. Can you imagine teaching people like that who want to learn? So it's selfish work. And these students have a way of blessing the instructors, let me tell you. And as they do that, there's also this sense together of realizing, realizing that there is a lot of serious opposition against the church of Jesus Christ in this world today. Much opposition. But no opposition is a match for the sovereign Lord as we watch Him build His church and equip the leaders and the pastors in His church all over this world. It's a good work. I'm so thankful and privileged to be a part of it. And for your encouragement, I want to share with you the little men's Bible study here at our church. We've already provided four Liberian evangelists with motorbikes, allowing them to go into the brush, into the bush, and they are able to take the, the good news of the kingdom of God with speed and, and in places where cars can't go. And now it's so much more efficient for them to be going on these motorbikes than walking And we're also going to be partnering, it looks like, uh, maybe providing some Reformation study Bibles for pastors. Um, And imagine, I wish I could show you the look on their faces when they receive. This is their library. This is their resource. Giving them a study Bible that they might prepare and teach and preach the Word of God. For so much, so many of the pastors never have the advantage of Bible school or seminary training. It's not going to happen. So for these little intense modules, we go to them. We have the, the blessing of trying to equip them as leaders to do the calling that God has already given them. It's a wonderful thing. Bonnie and I would be delighted. We're around here. So we'd be delighted to talk to any of you that want to talk about ELI, find out more at any time. We would be honored and privileged to do that. And we're so thankful that the history with, with the arms, I got to teach with Stan in Ghana one time, and, and we see him at, at meetings from time to time, and it's so wonderful to realize that we have this connection. The church has the connection with the armses, uh, and now we will have an ongoing connection with Stan and Donna through ELI and with us as well. Okay, there's the first hat. So now I take off the second hat, put the second hat on Westminster Presbyterian Church member. See my hat? I just want to use the platform tonight, this, this privileged space here, to, to say thank you to all of the people that have been part of this missions conference. I mean, you, you know, there, there's Kevin and there's Jen and there's the Great Commission Committee and that's, that's wonderful, our pastoral staff. But there are so many people that d- did so many different things in order to to have this conference. And I don't know about you, but I sure want to say thank you to them and I I want to say thank you to the Lord. I was so blessed this morning as our pastor preached the message that he did and the music that we had, the words of the hymns, the, the, the extra instruments and so on, and the organ, all those things, everything. This has been, you know, there's a lot of work, but God has been pleased to bless this conference, hasn't he? And we just, we just, I just wanted to publicly lead us in saying thank you to all those and thank you to the Lord 
who has blessed these efforts on this particular weekend in March of 2021. Third hat, I'm an older brother, and I just have the privilege to lead us to the Word tonight. And that's a great privilege, too. Please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. By God's grace, what we're going to do is think well together tonight about a harvest sermon and some harvest workers in the first century, and then, by God's grace, perhaps find that the Lord of the harvest will change some of our attitudes and our hearts and our behaviors as 21st century harvest workers. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 14, going to verse 21. And this is really but the introduction to a sermon that we're all very familiar with, but we're going to just stay with the introduction tonight. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. That's about 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. But in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter's the preacher. Peter, Peter, the previous denier, is now the present declarer. He is the preacher for this particular harvest sermon. Peter, who had called down a curse on himself. Peter, who had said, may God damn me. May God condemn me if I even know this man. But Peter now knows exactly who this Jesus is. Oh, yes, he does. He's the promised descendant of Abraham and David. He's the anointed one. He is the Messiah of Israel and the sovereign Lord of all. He is the only Savior who was damned, who was condemned, so that Peter could be forgiven. Oh, he was crucified. He was dead. He was buried. He he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And he is coming again. Yes, Peter knows who Jesus is now. He knows what he has done because of who he is. Peter's the preacher of this harvest sermon about Jesus, Yeshua, whose name means Yahweh saves. 
That glorious name? For that is who he is and what he has done. Peter lifted up his voice. He has something to preach. He has something to say. He has something to declare. Listen up. Get this. And this is but his introduction to this longer sermon. His introduction is to explain about all the talking that's been going on about the mighty works of God. People from all over the Mediterranean world are hearing, they're understanding in many different languages what God has done and hearing all these languages at the same time, it sounds like the gibberish of someone who's drunk. Peter says, this is not the talk of drunks, but this is the talk of people possessing and under the influence of the Spirit of God. This is S-U-I, friends. This is speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And when people are filled with the Spirit of God, they talk. And they talk about Jesus. Their tongues are loosed. Peter says, this is that. Well, what is that? This is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. In verses 17 through 21, we find words from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. And the context for these words, you may be, remember, was a plague of locusts. A devastating plague of locusts has, has come, has invaded the land, eating literally and destroying everything in their path. And you remember that a locust plague is what God sent to judge Egypt, Israel's enemy. This was one of the ten plagues. This was a judgment from God upon Egypt. Now, in Joel, we read that God is the one leading this locust army. And what God used to rescue his people from Egypt, he is now using to bring his rescued people to repentance. And additionally, the locust plague is a harbinger of the day of the Lord. That's going to come too. And that's going to be a worse judgment. So we find two judgments that are in view here. The first judgment is a plague of locusts. The second judgment is the day of the Lord. One is a present reality. The second is a future reality. It's not good English, but it makes the point, the comparison. The locust plague is bad, but the day of the Lord to come is badder. But because of the steadfast love of God, It's not just two judgments that Joel is speaking about. It's also two blessings. The first blessing, which will be a present blessing, is God says he's going to end the locust plague. And the second blessing is God's going to pour out his spirit. He's going to pour out his spirit. So there were two judgments. There are two blessings. 
And it certainly would be a good thing. What a great blessing it would be to end the locust plague. But it's gooder that God's going to pour out His Spirit on His people. This will be part of a a new and a greater blessing, a, a new covenant. What a wonderful thing this will be. He will pour out His Spirit. This will be the fulfillment of that which Moses longed for in, in Numbers chapter 11, verse 29. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would pour out a Spirit on them. And now, Moses can understand. <laughs> he did. This is the time. This is that. This is the prophecy that Joel uttered being fulfilled. This is the longing that Moses prayed for, fulfilled. The Holy Spirit poured out on them, the Holy Spirit in them, and the preacher and the people are talking about Jesus. So Peter's the preacher. Explanation of what was happening is given to us here. And it is that of the promise in the Hebrew Scriptures. And and when this sermon was preached is also very significant. Chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came and they were all together in one place. The Feast of Pentecost, or weeks, is explained in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 through 17. Count off seven weeks from the day after the Passover Sabbath, when the Feast of First Fruits was celebrated. There are two harvest or ingathering festivals. We need to just very quickly run by the one to move to the second one to understand the significance of the day, of the time when this harvest sermon was preached. The Feast of First Fruits. Well, barley was the very first grain to ripen. And uh, the first place that it ripened was on a slope going down from Chorazim down to the Sea of Galilee because the soil was so good and and because the the temperatures were warmer there because the Sea of Galilee is 600 feet below sea level. So going down to that beautiful climate. So barley, first grain, first to ripen. And when the first sheaf was ready to be harvested, it was hustled down to Jerusalem and the priests in the temple took a wave offering, a sheaf of barley. And he waved it, oh, before the Lord as a representation of the entire harvest to follow. The very first fruits of a harvest that was going to follow. Oh, did you catch when this was done? On the the day after the Passover Sabbath, on the first day of the week, brothers and sisters, it is as if While the priest is doing that, the father is waving his son as the first fruits offering by an empty tomb. On the day after the Passover Sabbath, on the first day of the week, Jesus walked out of the tomb alive. And in the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, but in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep in him. First fruits, in gathering, harvest festival. Now, count off 50 days after that. 
And now we're ready for Pentecost. This is another, the second. In fact, barley was the first grain to ripen. Wheat is now ready to be harvested. And along with wheat are so many other things. So this Pentecost, this this in-gathering, this harvest festival is a time when there is the greatest variety and the greatest volume of harvest. So many things now are ready to be harvested. Large harvest, lots of diversity. Keep that in mind. We're told, the rabbis say, that this cycle of reading through the Hebrew Scriptures, it, it goes back to Moses. And some would say, no, it goes back to Ezra. Uh, it, it, but whatever it is, there was a cycle of readings. They followed this. In the first century, we know, in fact, that at the time of Pentecost, do you know what book you read at Pentecost? You read the book of Ruth. Would you keep that in mind? And then another thing about the Feast of Pentecost is it was also a wave offering. Now you were to take probably wheat, the finest grains, and, 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 and bake it into two loaves. And the two loaves were to have leaven in it, in them. Why two loaves? Why leaven? Especially when we remember with the Feast of Passover and unleavened bread, the, the instructions could not be more clear. There shall be no leaven. Now it's be sure there's leaven. Why? Keep that in mind. So at the time when the priest is waving two loaves of bread baked with leaven in them, and they're reading Ruth, Peter is preaching Jesus. And if you look at chapter 2, I mean, get an idea about the the people that are here hearing this harvest sermon. And and how is it, verse 8, that we hear each of us in his own native language? Look at it. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Peter's preaching. Harvest sermon. 3,000 people from all over the Mediterranean world are stabbed in their heart. Not by a knife, but by the preaching about Jesus, by Peter, the deceiver, the denier, delivered. This sermon is delivered by Peter, who's now filled with the Holy Spirit. Two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles, forgiven, but still with sin in them, are part of a great harvest. A great harvest. Large harvest with great diversity. And this harvest sermon, 
It's only begun. Acts 8 is coming. Samaritan harvest and a beautiful black sheaf harvested from Africa. Acts 10 is coming. A Gentile centurion and his family. Jews become part of this glorious feast, this glorious harvest. Gentiles become part of this glorious harvest. Two loaves of bread baked with leaven waved before the Lord of the harvest and the harvest of Jews and Gentiles will continue until the harvest is done. The filling of the Holy Spirit results in S-U-I speaking under the influence. We are deniers. There's not one of us Not one of us who is born knowing who Jesus is. But when the Spirit of God gives us a birth from above, we know who Jesus is and now tell others and know that this is the way that the Lord of the harvest increases His harvest in Lancaster County and all over an increasingly hostile and dangerous world. You have the Holy Spirit? You are a laborer, a harvest worker. If the gloriousness and the importance of this harvest is even slightly understood, how can we not pray for more harvest workers. What a wonderful sermon this morning. The heart of Jesus. Has that affected our hearts? Or hasn't it? How can it not? How can we not pray that the Lord would make our children and the children of this church into harvest workers near and far, crossing the world to tell Jews and Gentiles about the only Savior. How can we not pray that God would work in our hearts, my heart? Nothing matters more in this life than following Jesus, than knowing Jesus, does it? You know, if comfort and security and success are what we long for, what we pray for, for ourselves for our children, for our grandchildren, then tonight is a time to repent and know that there is forgiveness. Forgiveness. We can find our prayers and our behaviors changed. You know, the missions conference is over, right? And this is the end of our missions conference. But the need for harvest workers and the need for us to repent and talk to the Lord of the harvest about these things, it's not over. 
by God's grace, may it have just begun. Let's pray. Lord of the harvest, it's hard to read these words and to miss that when your spirit, when we're filled with your spirit, when we're under the influence of your spirit, we talk about Jesus. And your spirit also gives us a knowledge that people are lost who don't know Jesus and that affects our heart. And it even extends to the opening of our mouth. Changed behaviors, changed heart and mind talking about Jesus. How we thank You that the Word about You is what You've always used to bring life. That we are privileged as forgiven sinners, as those who have denied You, those who didn't know who You were. Teach us more about who You are. And may we have the joy of a group of Your people that meet in this wonderful church of seeing You take all of us into a new place with You. And evangelism be something that is not so strange but a part of all of our lives. And we'll watch you stab some hearts. Different places all over the world stab some hearts. That the Spirit of God, working through the Word of God, will bring life. Father, we're quite sure that you would desire to talk with us about the things we've heard over these last few days. That we won't be able to say the missions conference is over. But these harvest worker themes and you being the Lord of the harvest will become something that is more and more important to every single one of us. We pray in the name of the only Savior, the only Savior, Yeshua, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. And so you did, and so you do. Praise be to God. Amen. The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 8 or 11 a.m. To learn more or have questions about the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Savior, contact us at westpca.com. Thank you, and may Christ be glorified through this ministry, the Westminster Pulpit.